Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. I'm Roy, your host, and I want to say right from the start how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this particular podcast. Because the title I've given it is called The Enemy Within, How to Stop Sabotaging Your Love Life. And so you can already tell that I'm going to share a perspective of how you are being your own worst enemy when it comes to your love life especially, I think we could broaden that out to our lives in general. But I'm going to share a perspective on how you're sabotaging yourself. And I just appreciate you for having the guts to listen to this. Okay. Um, And I ask you to listen with an open mind because I'm going to share some quite radical perspectives today. Okay. Now, when I say radical, I only mean radical from the sense that you probably have never heard what I'm going to say or you've never heard it really put to you in the way I'm going to put it to you. And so because it's sort of new and sort of unfamiliar, it's going to seem radical. In reality, however, it really is not radical. The perspectives I am going to share, as you're going to hear, are perspectives that the Bible talks about, that all the Eastern wisdom traditions talk about. It's a perspective that all of today's most famous, you know, gurus and spiritual teachers, they talk about it too, whether it's Eckhart Tolle, Michael Singer, Byron Katie, And I would also tell you it's a perspective that any good psychologist or psychiatrist would also affirm. But it's a perspective that is not talked about very often. It's it's not really understood. And so it might seem quite radical and, and kind of way out there. But I assure you, It is not way out there. In fact, what I'm going to share here today can radically change your life for the better. And it can really open the doorway to attracting a healthy, sustainable relationship. Because you have been unknowingly and unconsciously, you've been your worst enemy. You have been sabotaging yourself. All right, so having said that, Let me start with something that's, you know, maybe going to create a little bit more of a good feeling. (laughs) And, And that is to say that it is a challenge to find your life partner today. And, and you know that maybe even better than I do, 
because I've been married now for 13 years. I mean, I was single in there for about five years when I was the ages of what? About 43 to 48 or so. Um, but you know that it's really, it's not easy out there, right? Um, listen, you go online and you can get all kinds of contradictory advice on the internet about things. And, you know, the whole social media world now, you know, you know, women get hit on and get messages left and right, whether it's an Instagram or Facebook or something. Um, and then there's the whole online dating that, you know, everybody uses, but I don't think anybody really likes it. <laughs> you know, sure, it is a good way to meet people that you would maybe otherwise never bump, bump into. But with the rise of all the online sites and the Tinder and the swiping and, you know, match.com and everything, there are a whole set of problems that that come along with all of that. And then there's, you know, there's television and there's movies and there's magazines that give mixed messages or they set up these fairy tale type of ideals that that just make the whole thing confusing and challenging. And then we have our busy schedules, right? I mean, sometimes working more than one job and you know, just trying to take care of ourselves, maybe we have children, right? So it's a real challenge to meet someone, to meet someone with whom you feel chemistry and compatibility. Now, maybe it's always been a challenge. Maybe it's not fair to say, you know, right now in these days, it's worse than ever. I don't know. Um, I imagine every generation has said it's the toughest, you know, you know how your parents used to say, oh, I used to walk through five feet of snow and bare feet to go to school, you know, that kind of thing. But so I don't know if it's, worse now than ever. I just know that it really is a challenge. And then here's the thing. Even with everything I just mentioned, you know, with the the on the onset of ghosting, like we even have terms nowadays for the challenge in dating, ghosting and gaslighting and these terms didn't exist, you know, 15 years ago. So even with all the challenges that there are on top of that and maybe what makes it more challenging than anything else is that you have that voice in your head you have what Michael Singer calls your inner roommate that is always giving you advice about relationships And if you haven't noticed, that person (laughs) that lives in your head, that voice in your head, um, have you noticed how neurotic that voice is? Have you noticed how negative or needy or narcissistic that that voice in your head is, that, that inner roommate? Have you noticed that? It never shuts up. It's always talking to you. It's it's saying things that 
make you scared. It's, it's saying things that create doubt and confusion. And if you pay attention to that voice in your head, you're also going to know that very often it's wrong. You know, we very often we are our own worst enemy because our minds misinterpret reality. They project, you know, we can project our own issues or our own past onto situations which causes us to misread, you know, what's happening and what people are really about. And so um, it, it really is like there, there isn't, a person living inside your head that there is you have an inner roommate and very often it functions as your relationship coach you know in my newest book relationship boot camp um, I devote four chapters to to discussing your relationship with your mind because as Michael Singer has said the most important relationship you have in your life is the one you have to your own mind Okay, And so as challenging as it is to meet someone nowadays, when you include that you've got your own mind involved, that you've got this voice in the head, you know, it's, it's the ego. It's sometimes called the lower self. It's, it's, it, it's this neurotic, needy, narcissistic, and negative person that lives in your head. And it's always talking to you and you can't get rid of it. And you really can't make it shut up. (laughs) It just follows you around talking to you, right? So in this podcast, I want to talk to you about your mind, about that voice in the head. And and if you're wondering, like, I don't know, what what do you mean voice in my head? What are you you talking about? Um, I'm like, well, that thought that you just had in your head saying, what's what's Roy talking about? I don't even know what he, that's what I'm talking about. That thought, the thinker in your head that like right now, if you just say, Roy is wonderful, say that inside your head right now, Roy is wonderful. That's the voice in the head. It, it You can talk inside, you can say hello inside, you can say, this doesn't make sense inside. In other words, you have thoughts. And I'm talking about that thinker that often functions as your inner relationship coach. So in my book, I talk about one of the most important things that you need to do if you want to attract a healthy, sustainable relationship is to fire your inner relationship coach. (laughs) It's to quit listening to your own thinking. You know, that's radical, right? How many times or how often have you heard people tell you that you should not trust your own mind, that you should not listen to its perspectives, that you should doubt its wisdom, that when you think something is true, that you ought to also entertain the possibility that the opposite of what you think is true might actually be more true, right? How often have you had people tell you that you should not trust your own thinking, that you should not listen to it? In fact, that you should laugh at it, 
Nobody tells you that. Everyone says, trust yourself, trust your instincts, trust your gut. And I'm here to tell you that both the Bible and the Eastern wisdom traditions and anyone who pays attention to to life and to how people live and to what leads to happiness and what leads to drama and what leads to connections and good relationships, every single one of them will tell you that you are your own worst enemy, meaning that voice in your head is full of shit. It's not to be trusted and not to be listened to. Okay? So that's the crux of what I want to talk to you about in this podcast. I want to try to convince you not to listen to yourself, not to trust your thinking, not to believe in your perspectives or your opinions or your truth. I want to try to open you up to recognizing that you have an inner roommate. You have an inner relationship coach that's walking around with you everywhere. And it is giving you advice about love, life, and the pursuit of intimacy. And it's always wrong. And it should not be trusted. That your mind is like getting advice from a financial advisor. And that every time your financial advisor says, buy this stock or buy that bond or whatever, all the time they they tell you that every time you lose money, the stock goes down and the whatever happened. And at, at some point you would quit listening to your financial advisor because all their advice is wrong. And I'm suggesting to you, if you pay attention to that voice in your head, if you really hold it accountable, if you ever gave that voice in your head a performance evaluation, right? It's like you work at a job and very often you have performance evaluations where they sit down with you and they say, okay, we've watched how you've behaved this year, what you've done. Here are your numbers. Here's your performance. You're doing great. You're not doing great, right? We all have performance evaluations at our jobs. Have you ever given your inner relationship coach a performance evaluation? Like, are you giving me good advice? Are you really helping me in my love life? Or are you a neurotic mess? <laughs> and if you if you look closely, you're going to find that your mind is not something that should be trusted or listened to. That your inner relationship coach should be fired because it's been wrong so often and you shouldn't listen to it. Okay? So I want to first give you some more information on why your mind should not be trusted. And then I don't want to leave you there. I want to tell you a little bit about where you can get a reliable and trustworthy source of guidance and wisdom, okay? Because right now you're relying on your own thinking for wisdom and guidance. You're relying on your inner relationship coach to tell you about love, life, and the pursuit of intimacy. I'm telling you, no, don't listen to that. You're, you're, gonna, you're ruining your love life by listening to that. But then you're going to say, okay, if I don't listen to my own thinking, then how do I make decisions? How do I know who to go out with and who not to? 
how, how do I decide when a relationship should end or when I should decide to commit and become monogamous or get married, right? There are decisions to be made. So I'm not saying that there aren't decisions to be made. I'm just saying you don't want to go to your mind for advice on them. But I'm going to point you in the direction where you you can get the, 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 the advice and the guidance and the wisdom that you need. It's just not going to come from that neurotic nut job that lives in your head, right? Do you, do you realize that there really is a, a neurotic nut job that lives in your head and it's just hung up on things and scared and, right? So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, let me tell you, let me give you three reasons why you can't listen to your own thinking. As crazy as that sounds, okay? I mean, I really do know what I'm saying sounds nuts and I'm going to tell you that it really does appear in all the spiritual traditions, okay? So it's not as nuts as it really sounds. Okay, the first reason is because your mind has only has access to a very limited and incomplete um, amount of data or information. Your mind only knows what it knows, and you are have only experienced a, a, a sliver of what is going on in the world and in the universe. You have your little corner of the world that you live in. You have your limited experiences. You have your things you've been exposed to, your conditioning, your upbringing, things you've experienced, okay? Which is a lot. You, you've been through a lot. But when you stand back and you say, in the grand scheme of everything that's going on in the universe and in this world, what your mind knows is really limited, right? So it's really incomplete. You, you don't know everything about everything. You don't know everything about relationships and about men and about women. You only know kind of what you've been through, Okay. And so, because of that, we could really say that you don't know anything. Here's a quote from, um, from my favorite spiritual teacher, Michael Singer. He says, now listen closely to this. We treat our minds like God or guru, but it doesn't know anything. It's wrong all the time, yet we still listen to it. Ignore the mind as you would a financial advisor whose advice has been wrong always. Okay? So, um, that's a powerful statement. Your mind should not be listened to. In fact, it should be laughed at. So your mind thinks it knows everything and it doesn't. It thinks it's right about everything and it's not. It makes assumptions that cause you to misread situations. It projects its past onto others, causing you to misjudge people. And it tells stories that cause you to misinterpret people's words, actions, and motives. Your mind is wrong all the time, which is why Michael Singer, this is hilarious, he said, and I heard him say it in person one time, he said, I'd rather listen to a magic eight ball then listen to my own mind. Do you remember the magic eight ball? You would just turn it or shake it or whatever, and it would, 
it would give you an answer. You ask it a question and it, it comes up with some answer. He's like, I would rather you base your whole life on the wisdom from a magic eight ball than from your own mind. And one of the reasons for that is because of how limited your mind is. Right? So let me give you an example. What if you've had three major relationships in your life, major intimate relationships that, you know, that lasted a while? And what if on all three of them, your partner cheated on you? All three of them. Every, every significant relationship you've had, your partner cheated on you. Okay, so now you're single and you meet someone online or otherwise. What is your mind going to say about this person? Look out, they may cheat on you too. Oh, you know, men cheat, women cheat. And in reality, is your mind wrong? Hell no, it's not wrong. In your experience, all men or all women, depending on your situation, all of them cheat because in your life, everybody has cheated on you. And so your mind is right, but it's based on its limited perspective, right? You, you only had three or four or five intimate relationships. There are 8 billion people on the planet. And yet in your mind, men cheat or women cheat. And so that's kind of an exaggerated example, but it makes the point that your mind is like a computer. In a sense, it's like a computer. And a computer only knows in accordance with the data that's been inputted into it. Right? I have a computer sitting right here on my desk as I'm recording this. Okay? And it's got software. It's just an inanimate object. and, And everything it knows is because of what's been loaded into it. Okay? Your mind is like that. Your mind is just like a computer. And over your life, all it knows is what's been loaded into it. But not everything has been loaded into your mind. Only your experiences and your background and your, you know, the things that you've been through, right? So what your mind knows is very limited, but it is why you think that you're right, whether it's about relationships or politics or religion or anything. Based upon your experiences, what you've been exposed to, what you've learned, of course your mind thinks it's right because it doesn't know anything beyond what it knows. But there is so much that is beyond what your mind knows. That if you really recognize that there is an, this infinite amount of wisdom in the world and things happening all over the place and men and women doing things and, you know, you're going to recognize, man, I can't really trust my mind when it's telling me about why a person didn't text me or what it means when they say this or they say that Be- because I have a very limited background. I have very limited experience. And, and, and so my mind's perspective is very narrow. 
So a really wise, conscious person, they're more concerned about what what don't I know about what I don't know, <laughs> right? What's that phrase? Like, it's not what they know. They're concerned about what what don't I know? Because they recognize their mind is very limited. So that's the first reason that you, you that inner relationship coach, and I'm going to talk to you about five different roles it plays in your life. Okay, we're going to go into the details about this relationship coach functions in your head guiding you and giving you information and and advice about your love life. It functions in at least five different roles. But first, I want to let you know that one of the reasons you can't trust it as it's yapping in your ear about what this means and what that means and about how to find love and about what men like or women like or all this is because your mind has got such a limited amount of data that's been inputted into it, that there's so much you don't know, that you really can't trust your wisdom because it's so limited. Okay, that's the first reason. The second reason is, is because here's what the mind, here's what the mind really does. The, the, the mind's job is to protect or ensure the survival of the being. Okay? The mind's job is to is to help you survive. So the mind, the ego, is a fear-based mechanism. Now I don't mean fear in like a like a bad way necessarily, okay? Not like a you know, like there's nothing ever in life to be afraid of. But the mind is sort of, you know, evolutionary wise, as we have evolved. Our ancestors were always, the mind was paying attention. What's behind those bushes? It could be an animal um, that's going to attack. Maybe a, a rival tribe is going to attack. So the mind is always looking for danger. It's looking for threat. It's looking for what, how to protect you. Okay. So your mind, that voice in your head is coming from fear. It's coming from a place of this is dangerous. This is scary. You are at risk. There is a threat. My job is to keep you safe. My job is to protect you from harm. And so the mind is like a radar that is scanning the environment for possible threat. This could hurt you. This could go bad for you. So all of that is stemming from fear. So your mind is a fear-based mechanism. It's a neurotic mess. Now, there are times when your mind might tell you, be careful here, that's dangerous, and it might be right, right? You're, you're about ready to cross a dangerous street. Yeah, and your mind says, well, why don't you look both ways before you cross? Okay, good, right? There are sometimes when there is a legitimate fear that your mind picks up on and it can warn you about, right? You're walking in the, in the woods and, you know, you see a bear and your mind says, that's scary. Go the other way, <laughs> right? And that's a legitimate thing to be afraid of. So I'm not saying all fear is an illusion. There are some things that your mind tells you to be afraid of 
and it's right. But have you noticed that your mind has a way of seeing a possibility of a fear or it invents something or it imagines something? So for instance, you can be laying in your bed at three o'clock in the morning, safe and sound as could be, snug as a bug in a rug and all is well. You're just there and a thought pops in your head and says, what if your company downsizes and you lose your job? And now your heart starts to rate, to, to race. And now you can't sleep. There's no real threat in the bed. There's no bear in your bedroom. Your mind has just come up with an idea. Like what if you lose your job? Or you're laying there and you're perfectly happy and your mind says to you, you know what? there's a chance that nobody will ever be laying alongside of me in this bed, that I'm going to spend the rest of my life sleeping alone and being alone. And now, right now, your whole body reacts to that. There's possibly anger, fear, sadness, grief, disappointment, and you certainly can't sleep. But in that moment, you're just laying in bed, but your mind is in the future concocting these possibilities Right? So the mind is fear-based. It, 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 its job is to protect you. And sometimes it just makes things up. It's just imagining things. It's rehashing the past and telling you about, oh, all that stuff that happened to you, that's why your life is all messed up now. Or it, it, it imagines a future. Oh, what, what if that happened? What if this happens? You know, it's like the oh my God that lives in your head though. What, what if this happens? What if that happens? You, you follow me? So another reason you can't trust that voice in your head is it is all of its wisdom is coming from fear. All of its guidance is coming just from the perspective that it's a dangerous world and I got to protect you and I got to be looking out for all the problems and so forth, Right? And it's not that way. Yes, there are bears in the woods. And yes, there are tra- tra- you know, there's traffic when you're crossing the street. But you do notice, right, that your mind comes up with these scenarios and it can, it, and it, it can just make things up. Because here's one of the things about the mind. You know, the mind is very uncomfortable with not knowing. It's uncomfortable with uh, the unknown. It's it, it, when you're confused or you don't understand, what your mind is going to do is fill in the blanks. Because it's so uncomfortable with not knowing, it's going to come up with something just to calm you down. Like, so you're interacting with someone and you've been on a number of dates, it's been going good and they text you all the time. And then all of a sudden one day goes by and they don't text you for an entire day. And you don't know what's going on, right? You, you don't know. But your mind can't stay in that place of being comfortable with the unknown. Your mind doesn't naturally say, just let go, relax, you'll find out. You know, you'll find out what's happening. Just ignore it. Just go on with your day. No, your mind is going to try to come up with a reason the person hasn't texted you today. It's going to fill it in with some story. It's going to make something up. Oh, they met someone else. You know how it is with online dating. Everybody's meeting everybody and they met, they met someone else. Or, you know, they're, they're ghosting me. 
or I must have said something wrong on our last date. What did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? I thought it went pretty well, right? Your mind is going to, it's fear and it's going to make something up and you might blow up their phone. Like, where the hell are you? What's wrong with you? And then you find out that something happened and it was, it wasn't that they don't like you. It wasn't that they're ghosting you. And now they know that you're a nut job because you reacted to, to that voice in your head that told you that you better protect yourself by dumping them first or by blowing up their phone to find out what's going on or to, you know, how dare you just ignore me or, or some reaction that you might have. You've, can you relate to any of that? That's what your mind does because it's scared. It's, it's fundamentally scared. I mean, at the evolutionary level, it's looking for danger. And when you notice the unknown, it is going to fill it in with ideas and stories to make you feel more comfortable somehow. Okay. The third reason that you can't trust your mind is because your, your mind is filled with toxic residue from the past. Right, So we've all been through all kinds of stuff our entire life. Some of it, it just goes right through us and it doesn't stay. Like every day you drive down the street and you see trees and white lines on the road and a picket fence and none of that triggers you. None of that stays in you. You just notice it and it just goes right through you. Other experiences, like somebody breaks up with you, someone says you're not very attractive or someone insults you, that that doesn't go right through you. That kind of stays in there. I can remember my, when I was in like, I don't know how old, I might have been eight or nine. I was playing little league baseball and my coach made a comment about me not being very fast runner. I mean, that, that I can still feel that today. That my coach in front of my other teammates made fun of how slow I was. <laughs> and I was slow, by the way, right? But that, okay, that stays in me. So, we, we have a ton of that shit in us. We have, we have this toxic residue from the past when we've been hurt or insulted or embarrassed or um, something, right? So that's what's in us. And all of that stuff is what the mind is talking about because the mind doesn't talk about the trees you drove by, you know, on your way to work six years ago. Because it's not there. But the mind can talk about, um, I'm a slow runner and, or, you know, somebody dumped me in high school and said that I was high maintenance or, you know, my parents told me that I would never amount to anything and that's in there. And that's what your mind is thinking about. That's what your mind is talking about. So your mind your mind is like a landfill. Well, a landfill is where you take all your garbage and you dump it there, right? And so your thoughts are like the odor that comes off of the landfill, okay? So one of the reasons that you shouldn't trust your mind is because what it's talking about, it's the garbage that's gabbing. It's the garbage that's gabbing. It's all that toxic residue of stuff you've never let go of. The trauma, the hurts, the pain. That's what it's talking about. 
the garbage is gabbing. So do you want to listen to that? Do you really want to get your relationship wisdom and guidance from all the negativity in your past and all the pain that you've been through that's sort of stuck in you and still lives in you? Of course you don't want to listen to that. It doesn't mean what happened wasn't painful. It just means that what happened five years ago has got nothing to do with the person you're seeing now. They're not the same person. You're not the same person, right? But when something happens in a relationship and you say, okay, what do I do? What does this mean? How do I handle this? All your mind can do is go into the past, pull up all the old files of things you've been through and say, based upon all this stuff, all this garbage, here's what you should do. That's what your inner relationship coach is doing. It's going into all your past and all your pain and all your garbage and saying, based upon that, here's my advice to you. Here's how you should handle this situation. (laughs) And we wonder why our love lives suck. Because our minds are our own worst enemy. Are you with me on this? So you, your mind is an untrustworthy source of wisdom and guidance because one, it's got a very limited perspective. Two, it's a fear-based neurotic mess. And three, it's just filled with toxic residue from the past that should not be looked to to help you decide what to do now. Okay? Now, having said that, (laughs) because we all do this, there are five roles that we ask our minds to play. Like we have this inner relationship coach and you're my coach and I need you to function in five ways. The first way is we ask our minds to be our matchmaker. Okay. Now you just think about what I said to you about the toxic residue from the past about the fear-based neuroticness of your mind and its limited perspective, you're going to ask that to tell you what qualities you want and need in a partner. You're going to ask that mess to fix you up with someone. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Right? You're going to go to that garbage heap, that landfill, and you're going to say, based upon all the crap, from my past and all of my experiences and all the things I've been through, hmm, I need you to help me come up with a list of qualities that I need in a partner. And by the way, have you noticed that your list is completely based upon what has happened to you in your past? Like you want someone honest. Why? Because people lied to you. (laughs) You want someone who is going to be trustworthy and dependable and fidelity. Why? Because somebody cheated on you, right? So, It's the past that is picking your partner. Think about that. It is all that junk. And the junk has not made you smarter. It's not made you wiser. It's just made you more suspicious and more guarded and and less willing to be vulnerable because all that past is alive in you. All that pain is alive in you. So it hasn't wised you up. It's actually closed your heart. And yet, we, we hire this matchmaker that lives in our head and says, mind, help me figure out what I need in a partner. That is insane. 
to ask your mind to make perhaps the biggest decision in your life. Who are you going to spend the rest of your life with? Who should you connect with? Don't ask your inner relationship coach for that because it really doesn't know anything. And it's all based upon the past and it's all coming from fear. Okay, the second thing we ask our minds to do is to kind of function as a translator. You know, a you know, translator like um, the president recently was over in Russia and I, I don't know if Putin speaks English, but you know, when you're talking to someone from a different language, You have to have a translator sitting next to you that speaks both languages and they can translate what the other person is saying to you, okay? This is how our mind works in relationships is it's in your head and it's sort of translating what they really mean, right? So a guy says something to you on a date or, you know, I can't wait to see you again or, you know, we have such great chemistry, you know, what are you doing tomorrow night? You know, and, and, and in your, your mind is translating. Mm, okay, now what that means, oh, he wants one thing. See, nah, no, let me tell you what he really meant by that. Or your mind says, let me, let me tell you what she really meant by that comment or by that action. You know, person's late for a date or they have to reschedule a number of times. Well, let me tell you what's really going on. Let, let me translate the behavior for you. See, they're in a relationship already, and because they can't get away from their wife or their husband, they have to keep rescheduling for you. Do you know what I'm talking about here? So you 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 not only have this inner matchmaker that is picking a partner totally based upon your past, you you ask your mind to function as a translator. Like, tell me what they mean. Tell me what, what their real motives are. Tell me, you know, tell me what that action actually means. So it's a translator and, it, and it's just making things up. You, <laughs> you, you, you don't know, but your mind is going to try to tell you because it's scared and it's trying to, it's trying to deal with the unknown. Okay, do you follow that? The third thing, your mind functions like a secret service agent, Right? Remember the Secret Service agents, they have all the, you know, the dark glasses, they stand around and they're scanning the crowd for the politician. They're scanning and scanning, looking for trouble, looking for something that's unusual, looking for a problem, right? And as soon as they spot something that could be a problem, they whisk away the politician to safety. <laughs> well, that's what your mind does to you. It's, it's looking at the people you're dating. It's looking at people around you and it's looking for trouble. It's like, ooh, um, wow, I noticed that they, they've been divorced twice. Hmm, boy, that could, let's get out of here. Or that person, they just told you they're not very close to their family. Ooh, that's scary because they probably have some sort of commitment issue or some fear of intimacy. So let's get out of here. Right, so you got this mind of yours is like a secret service agent, and it's just because it's fear based. It, it's it's looking for trouble, and have you noticed that your mind can always find trouble? See, in psychology, this is called confirmation bias. It's like if your mind thinks something is true, it's going to find confirmation of it. It's going to misinterpret something or misread a situation 
that will confirm its opinions. It will, you know, you know what I'm saying. So, so your mind has a tendency to see what it wants to see, to see trouble when there might not be trouble, and so all this leads to suspicion and guardedness, and then you, so you've got the secret service agent that lives in your head, and all of a sudden it's you know. We got to go, we got to go. And they rush you out of the room and run away from someone when there might not have been any danger. But because the mind is fear-based, it's going to see danger when it might not be there. And so it could be giving you terrible advice. Okay, the fourth thing is your mind can play like a psychologist, right? So in a sense, you, you have this inner psychologist in your head that when you hear that someone's been divorced a couple of times. Or better yet, you meet someone, they're 45 years old, they've never been married. Oh, so the psychologist in you says, oh, they've got commitment issues, right? They're, they have fear of intimacy issues, right? So you're, you're going to diagnose someone. You follow me? Your mind is going to label them. Your mind is going gonna, is gonna to try to come up with some sort of explanation for something so it functions like a psychologist you know giving someone a label of OCD or bipolar or something I mean that's what your mind does because it's afraid and because all of the its thoughts are based upon the past and so when you hear someone's been div- div- divorced a couple times or never married a couple times or God I, you name it your inner psychologist is going to try to Explain why they're dangerous. But you don't know if any of that's true. That person who's been divorced a couple times might have learned some unbelievable things to the point where they are now really healthy and really prepared for something special. That person who's been 45 and never married might have been a person who was totally dedicated to their career and they put all their effort into that and now they're in a new phase of their life and their career is purring like a kitten and now they're ready to really engage and not give a half-assed effort in a relationship as they may have done if they had tried to have a relationship in their 30s when they were so committed to their career. So in other words... Being 45 and never in a relationship could be the best thing. It's just that you don't know that because you're listening to that freak in your head that has got all of its opinions and all of its interpretations and all of its judgments and all of its, uh, quote, understandings and, quote, insight and, quote, wisdom. And it's telling you, oh, well, if they're that, well, then this means this. And, oh, they got that problem. Do you follow me? Can you relate? to this maniac that lives in your head that functions as a a matchmaker, a translator, a secret service agent, and a psychologist. And then lastly, it functions as your psychic. I mean, have you noticed how your mind actually thinks it can predict the future and what a person is going to do and what they're going to say and what's going to happen? No? Huh? Have you ever heard someone say, once a cheater, always a cheater? Huh? You meet someone and you find out somehow that they had an affair in the past. 
Oh, what does your inner psychic tell you? Oh, once a cheater, always a cheater. You know, leopards don't change their stripes or dots or whatever a leopard has, <laughs> right? So your mind thinks it knows the future and it can see a situation and it can tell you that, oh, well, since that happened, and have you met someone who's in AA? Well, we all know Everybody who's in AA, they eventually fall off the wagon. So you don't want to be with a person who's in AA, right? Because you're psychic. You you know what their future is going to be like. Well, that's bullshit. I mean, have some people fallen off the wagon? Sure. Have some people been serial cheaters? Yeah. But it doesn't mean this person will be. But your mind, because it's fear-based because it's all based upon the past and because it has this limited perspective. Like, what if you knew 50 people who had cheated in the, in the past and you knew that they've never done it again? Then what would you think when someone let you know that they had an affair? Would you assume they're going to do it again? No, you wouldn't. Right? But most of us, we have such limited perspectives and limited experiences, we've all heard about the serial cheater that just goes from one to relationship to another and is always cheating. And so then if someone's ever cheated, well, then that's why it's a cliche. Once a cheater, always a cheater. That's not true, but your mind will think it is. So do you want to ask your mind for advice on how to handle someone when you when they open up and share a little bit about their past and why their past relationships haven't gone well, do do you want your mind to uh, kind of be your psychic? Okay, all right. Now, hopefully, I've convinced you that your mind is your worst enemy. It is absolutely. You should laugh at that voice in your head and everything it says. Elves out. We don't have to control things. Things are already under control. And we certainly don't need our minds to play any of the roles that we have been discussing. Instead, instead of being entrusting in personal mind, we can open to what I call presence mind. We can simply relax in presence and trust. Now, presence is the state of being that emerges as the Tao Te Ching says, you know, when the mud settles and the water is clear, right? What a great image. The mud settles and the water is clear. In other words, presence is when you're not feeling triggered, threatened, or reactive. It's when you're not all stirred up on the inside, trying to figure everything out and control everything. Presence is is inner stillness. And trust is the attitude or behavior of presence. It's knowing deep in your bones that you are and will be okay no matter what happens. Trust is experienced as an unquestioned sense of safety and security that doesn't come from circumstances, but from a deep confidence that the universe is fundamentally good and trustworthy. So when that verse in the Tao, the Tao De Ching, when it says the mud settles, and when we can trust like this, 
it really changes how we live. See, in those moments when we feel confused, anxious, or vulnerable, instead of trying to figure it all out and control everything and listen to our personal minds and all of its nutty advice and interpretations and psychology and psychicness and all that stuff, all those roles we've been talking about, we can shift from fear, which is what the personal mind is built on. We can trust from fear to trust. We can, I'm sorry, we can shift from fear to trust and know that no matter what happens, we are and will be okay. See, in presence, you give life the space to answer your questions, to make your decisions, or as the Bible says, to make your path straight. You remember earlier I said that even the Bible advises you not to listen to your own mind, okay? So for those of you who come from a Christian tradition, um, you know that in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then there's a phrase that nobody really understands. I'm telling you, nobody understands this in the Christian tradition because I've been in it for years or was in it for years. I'm not anymore. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's it right there. Even the Bible is telling you what I'm telling you here. I just talk about life rather than God because God is such a pejorative term. It just evokes all kinds of responses from people and so forth. I don't care what you believe in, whether you call it life or God or the universe or source. I don't care. There, there is the wisdom in all of the traditions to not lean on your own understanding. And that life will make your path straight. So what I'm suggesting is you stop interfering with life and instead relax in presence and allow things to be revealed in their own time. Instead of going up in your head and listening to all of the garbage that's gabbing and then taking matters in your own hands and usually making it worse, what if you took your hands off the wheel and let life drive? What would happen? Well, that would depend on how you see the universe or God, wouldn't it? If it's a cold, cruel world, then you'd feel alone and left to fend for yourself. And you'd rely on the personal mind and you'd make all the mistakes and listen to all of its nonsense. But what if, as Einstein wondered, what if the world is beyond benign to the point of actually being benevolent? What if life is actually for us? There's a great quote from a book called Facets of Unity, written by a guy named A.H. Almas. Listen to him describe this kind of presence, this kind of trust. He wrote, basic trust is a non-conceptual, meaning it's not a thought. Basic trust is a non-conceptual implicit trust or confidence that what is optimal will happen. The sense that no matter what happens, all is well and will be well. It is the confidence that reality is ultimately good, that nature, the universe, and all that exists is for you, that its very nature is trustworthy. And for those of you who are Christians, I'm going to tell you that thousands of years before that, 
King David, King David said almost the exact same thing. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. You see, that's not personal mind. That David is not saying, I got to figure it out and trusting his own fear-based wisdom. He's like, no, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my guide. So I don't care if you are a Christian or not. I Really, I don't care. The issue is, are you trusting in your own wisdom, which we know is not trustworthy? Are you being your own relationship coach, listening to that inner roommate, that voice in your head telling you what to do and how to pursue life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy? Are you doing that? Or are you in presence mind, right? It's either personal mind or presence mind. Which one is, is guiding you? Now we know personal mind is untrustworthy and it gives you, it plays all those roles, which just gets you more confused and more stuck and keep you single. Or you can begin to wonder about what, what, is it, what does it mean to align my life and live by presence mind? What does it mean to really trust? What does it mean to let go and sort of let God or let life? What does it mean to relax into all is well and will be well? And to recognize you don't need to figure everything out. You don't need to be your own matchmaker. You don't need to translate. You don't need to be your own secret service agent. You don't need to be a psychologist and figure people out. You don't need to be a psychic and predict the future. What you need is to think about what does it mean to trust? What does it mean to relax and to open. These are deep questions. What does it mean to rely on a wisdom that is beyond you? What does it mean to live with this kind of faith, this kind of trust that transforms the way you date and relate because you have fired your inner relationship coach and you don't need a matchmaker because you trust life to fix you up in its mysterious ways with the partner that would be best for your growth. You don't need a translator to tell you what somebody means or what their real motives are because you're trusting that you're okay and you will be okay and let it unfold and you will find out what the reality of a person's motives are. That you don't need a secret service agent because though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil. And that you don't need a psychologist and you don't need to try to figure out if a person has any real problems that will cause difficulty in your relationship or in your future. You, you recognize that you have all the resources that you need and that you're cared for and 
a part of this one life that no matter what happens, you'll be okay. And you don't need a psychic. You don't need something inside of you predicting what a person is going to do and to let that kind of fear be running your life. What does it mean to let go of all the effort and all the thoughts and all the fear and just relax and trust life to know in your bones that you're exactly where you're supposed to be, having the exact experiences you're supposed to have for your growth and that it will always be that way, that you are never disconnected and cut off from life, that you're always where you're supposed to be and you're always having the experiences that you need for your growth. What does it mean to actually live that way? You know, to, and do you recognize how that would calm your soul down? That the angst, the worry, the fear, the, the anxiety around relationships and our pursuit of intimacy, do you see how that would, it would wash all of that away? And you'd simply show up in life authentically and playfully and vulnerably if you were guided by presence mind and coming from this place of trust. That is what I do with my clients. I don't tell them where to go on Saturday night to meet someone. <laughs> I help them let go and come from trust and to find a source of wisdom that is far smarter than their history and that nut job of a relationship coach that lives in their own head. Because I certainly don't function as a matchmaker for my clients or a translator. I don't tell my clients what that guy means and what he doesn't mean. I don't know. I don't tell you when to run away and end a relationship as if I'm your secret service agent. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not about to diagnose someone that I've never met and say they've got some sort of problem that makes them a bad partner. And I'm not, I'm no psychic telling you what a person is going to do or not going to do. I'm going to point you away from all of that. That's the problem. You don't want a coach doing that, whether it's in your head or one that you hire. You want to come from presence. You want to learn what does it mean to trust and to let go and to know that you're being held by life itself and that nothing can hurt you. If you want to know about that, I want to be your coach. If you want to learn more about all this, get my book, Relationship Boot Camp. It's on Amazon, it's ebook, it's paperback, it's audio. Chapters four through seven talk all about your relationship with your mind. And again, as Michael Singer has said, all problems are caused by mind, no exceptions. So learn about your mind. Let me help you learn about your mind. Let me help you shift from personal mind to presence mind. I hope to hear from you. You can email me at coachingwithroy at gmail.com or roy at coachingwithroy.com or call my cell. Seriously, 407-687-3387. Text me. Let's talk. Let's talk about my coaching program. Let's, let's get you out of your head. 
and let's get you to ignore that nutty inner roommate, that, that, that ridiculous relationship coach that lives in your head that has been ruining your love life up until now. Let's stop being your own worst enemy and turn it around. And that's as easy as working with me. It, it, it's, it's, it's right here for you. And I hope you take advantage of it. Okay, until next week, when we tackle another deep and important subject, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.